This is Talkback, 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. This is News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM, KGVO, Missoula's news and weather station. Hey, welcome everybody. It is Thursday, the uh, Leap Day. Well, happy, happy Leap Day, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> this is, I take a flying leap, but I can't at my age. Anyway, it could hurt, I could hurt myself. Welcome to, to Talk Back. Talk Back this morning is brought to you by Phillips Janitorial. Well, they offer both residential and commercial cleaning, and no job is too big or small for them. The number is 406-260-6617 by Y West Storage at the Y on Two Smokes Way. If you want to find out if I have a, a storage unit for you, here's the number. It's 406-510-0590. Y West Storage, making room for you. Gomer's U.S. Diesel Parts, no matter how cold it might get or whatever, Gomer's has everything you need to make sure your rig starts every time and all the accessories as well. Gomer's U.S. Diesel Parts and Service, Palmer and West Broadway, and by Harrington Surgical Supply, where their mission always remains the same, to restore confidence and comfort into your daily life. The views and opinions expressed on TalkBack are not those of the staff, management, or advertisers. Well, we're going to have open phones for just a couple of minutes here, uh, ladies and gentlemen, because we are anticipating a call from uh, Senator Steve Daines here in just a few minutes. So, first of all, good morning, Mr. Nick. Good morning. All right, Nick Christensen right over there, taking your phone calls and producing TalkBack this morning. All right. Yeah, Senator Daines will join us from 810 to 8.30, so get your calls in the queue for that. Yeah. And We'll do open phones from 8.30 until 9.30, so be ready for that as well. And then uh, Community Medical Center, Dr. Scott, talking about uh, colonoscopies. That'll be 9.30 to 10. So All that's right. kind of the schedule today. It's a little wonky, but yes, yeah. we're, we're 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 if you will coming in and out of uh, of guests. So there you go, and we're looking a lot. A lot of folks have been asking uh, when Senator Daines was going to try to be on earlier this week, but uh, had to uh, had to cancel. So he's making up for that today, and we are thrilled that we're going to have the senator here to answer your questions mm-hmm. at uh, seven two one twelve ninety or one eight hundred five six eight five three zero nine. Lots going on. Uh, right now, um, it's interesting because we have both uh, uh, President Biden and former President Trump both visiting the southern border today. And uh, so that's <laughs> it is going to be definitely dueling photo ops. Yes, indeed. So anyway, so uh, I'll tell you what we'll do. We will. I think we have time for one call or is that, is that she's waiting? She's waiting. All right. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll go ahead and take our break right now. And and then uh, we are expecting uh, Senator Danes on from eight uh, starting at eight ten. Uh, yep. All right. Here in a couple right. two minutes. Okay. So we'll be right back after this time out, hopefully with Senator Danes. Dennis Bragg with the Town Square weather forecast. Rain or freezing rain at times Thursday, depending on your location. And that could make driving tricky over Lookout and Lolo Passes. Mild temperatures in the valleys, though, with highs well into the 50s. Expect some very gusty winds in excess of 30 miles per hour throughout the day. A 90% chance of rain turning to snow late Thursday night into Friday morning as cold air returns, but no real accumulations into the valleys. Snow showers will be scattered going into the weekend. Welcome back, everybody. It is Talk Back for this Thursday, and we're just going to jump right to the phones this morning and say good morning to the Honorable Steve Daines, Senator from the state of Montana. Senator Daines, welcome. It's good to talk with you, sir. 
Good to chat with you as well, Peter. All right, let's let's talk about dueling presidents at the border. I know, I know that's at the top of every just about every newscast that's going on today. What do you expect to happen, sir? Well, I don't expect much to happen from Joe Biden, and I'll tell you why. First, he created this border crisis by reversing policies that President Trump had put in place that were working. He was building the wall, had the Remain in Mexico policy, had other policies that were working to really stem the flow of this invasion that's going on the southern border. Joe Biden unilaterally reversed that literally on day one of his presidency. So Joe Biden is going to the southern border not to solve the problem of the border. He's going there because he's got a political problem. He knows that his uh, approval ratings are the lowest in 70 years, Peter. You have to go back to the mid-1940s to find a president with these ratings so low. And the border is one of his biggest problems. So he's trying to solve a political problem. This will be a photo op, but if you want to solve the problem, he doesn't have to go down to the southern border. He could stay in the Oval Office and sign the executive orders to reinstate what Trump had in place. That would dramatically reduce the invasion that's going on right now on the southern border. But it would be severely damaging for him to do that because he would be admitting that he was wrong and that President Trump was right. Uh, it would be, but that's the truth. And sometimes the truth hurts. But look, if, if setting the politics aside for a moment, this is a significant and major national security problem. This is not just immigration policy debate. This is a national security crisis that we have. I was speaking to a uh, a high-level individual from Central Asia this week who told me they estimate there's some 50,000-plus individuals who have come across the southern border thanks to the Mexican cartels and thanks to Joe Biden have entered our country in the last year, and there are some they are very concerned would have terrorist-type connections. This is a big problem for our country. Sad to report, Peter, but it's probably just a matter of time before one of these individuals actually initiates some kind of a terror attack in our nation. When you have open borders, you don't have a secure country. All right. Let's, uh, well, we have lots of folks lined up to visit with you in only a limited amount of time, Senator. So we're going to keep you on, on all the way until 830 without taking a break here. Let's get Nancy on the line. Nancy, good morning. You're on with Senator Steve Daines. What's your question, ma'am? Yeah, good morning, Glory. Uh, Senator Steve Daines, God bless you for all the work you've done for Montana, also our country. Now, I'm, I heard some startling news this morning. Uh, we, uh, that uh, Matt Rosendale is going to run again for Congress and that you endorsed him. And this is after a period of time where we've heard that his political career was over in Montana and that uh, he wasn't running and then he was running and then he wasn't running. Can you kind of, is this true? Can you kind of update us on this? And thank you so much. All right. Thanks for the call, yeah. Nancy. Well, well, Nancy, thank you. Here's what uh, is going on, and, and uh, this has all been publicly reported over the last 24 hours. Um, the first thing is that you know, President Trump endorsed Tim Sheehy for the United States Senate race. Uh, that was an important endorsement, uh, and, and it's going to be a, a big help, certainly for Tim Sheehy, to win that Senate race in Montana. After that occurred, Matt Rosendale decided he was no longer going to run for the United States Senate. So um, he, he dropped out of the race. But Matt Rosendale announced yesterday that he's going to run for re-election for his House seat in for that eastern Montana district. So Matt Rosendale is running for re-election. 
Uh, President Trump, when he made the endorsement of Tim Sheehy, if you look back at what he posted on Truth Social, and I, I talked directly with President Trump about this, he said, look, I'm going to endorse Tim Sheehy for the United States Senate, and I want to keep Matt Rosendale running in the U.S. House. So that is what President Trump said in his statement, and now Matt Rosenell announced yesterday he is running for re-election for the House seat. So I think that the good news is that we're not going to have a contentious primary for the United States Senate race in Montana. Uh, we've taken away the um, the divisiveness that can occur in a primary, and we can unite behind Tim Sheehy. And let, let's not forget that Montana plays a very, very important role in the future of this country and the future of the United States Senate. Because if we win the Senate race in November in Montana as Republicans, if Tim Shee wins that race, we have taken the gavel away from Chuck Schumer. The Republicans will control the United States Senate. It's as simple as that. Montana will define the future of the United States Senate, which defines the Supreme Court, which defines the Ninth Circuit Court, the Trump tax cuts that expire need to be renewed because if John Tester is reelected, he opposed every one of President Trump's Supreme Court nominees. He supported Joe Biden's nominee for Supreme Court, which I opposed. John Tester voted against the tax cuts that Trump put in place. I voted for them. Really, really important moment in our nation's history in Montana gets to have a big say in that. Now, uh, for Matt Rosendale, he's going to clear that primary most likely in, in eastern Montana. So there were a lot of people looking to run for that seat in eastern Montana when Matt Rosendale decided to run for the U.S. Senate. Now that Matt's running again for reelection, that should clear up that primary. So the good news, I think we've got a very unified front going forward with Tim Sheehy, Matt Rosendale, Greg Gianforte, Austin Knudsen, you know, all of our Republicans who are running for reelection, and Ryan Zinke, of course. Uh, and so we're going to have a really unified front going forward. That's that's a good thing for Montana. Well, you can understand it was it was a pretty confusing bump in the road there for a few for a week or so. Well, it was. And I'm glad Nancy asked that question because it, 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 it took a few little twists and turns there. But now the dust is all settled. <laughs> Tim Sheehy will be the nominee for the United States Senate. And Matt Rosendale is running for reelection. And, of course, Ryan Zinke is running for reelection in that House seat. So you think about in Montana, we have nine major office holders in our state. Think about the, the constitutional officers in Helena, you know, our governor, uh, secretary of state, as well as uh, the attorney general and so forth, plus our two House members and two Senate members. Eight of those nine individuals will be on the ballot in 24. I'm the only senior elected official in Montana who's not on the ballot in 24, Peter and Nancy. And so uh, there'll be eight, seven of those eight are Republicans. Uh, we're going to have, it'll be led really by uh, Greg Gianforte, Tim Sheehy, Ryan Zinke, and Matt Rosendale. All right, let's get some more calls in. Uh, this is Harry. Harry, thanks for holding. You're on with Senator Danes. What's your question, sir? Yeah, good morning, Steve. Uh, yeah, I got a couple questions. One is, uh, when did our country get to be so dishonorable? Uh, this is uh, to the... Uh, lack of funding to the Ukraine. We, I know we have a short memory, but uh, when Ukraine gave up their nuclear uh, arsenal, one of the, th the things is that we agreed that we'd be there t if uh, they needed our help. And now I know uh, the leader of the Republican Party is, can't even honor his uh, marriage vow, but we should be better than that. We, uh, you know, we should be more honorable than that. We, it, I know it's pol politics and it's uh, election season, but still, as a country, we should be better than that. And the second question is, uh, when uh, I hear the Republicans keep complaining about oil and, uh, you know, Trump's drill, 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 but uh, the facts are that in the last several months, we've actually produced record amount of oil and gas. I mean, this, this 
saying this. So if we were energy energy independent under Trump, how come we aren't energy independent now? Because we we're actually doing more oil and gas now than ever before. All right. So those are my questions. When did we get be so dishonorable, and why aren't we energy independent now? All right, Harry, thanks for the call. Senator, go ahead, please. Well, Harry, first of all, um, your, your, your command of world history is, is to be um, commended. Uh, you are exactly right. There was a time when the, after the Soviet Union broke up uh, where uh, Ukraine had some nearly a thousand different nuclear weapons in, under their control as they were once part of the Soviet Union. And the, the Ukrainians uh, signed a deal that would allow um, the Russians to take their nuclear weapons in exchange for protections from the United States, as well as from Russia. There was an agreement made that we're going we're to protect Ukraine. The Brits signed that deal as well uh, in, in, because they disarmed from, with their nuclear weapons. So that, that, uh, it was not a binding treaty, but it was an agreement. That is important, I think, for folks to remember that that was a, basically a deal that was made that uh, uh, the United States would protect Ukraine if there was an invasion. Um, I'll tell you where I stand on this. Um, first and foremost, I do support lethal aid for Ukraine. I think it should be a loan. The, the, the Lend-Lease is something we did uh, back in the World War II. So I, I believe in the in the loan uh, and we also should secure the critical minerals that Ukraine has. I've been talking about this with President Trump. He's very interested in this idea that it'd be a loan, not a grant. And second, it would be tied to critical minerals, which we're going to need for our economy going forward. You know, the environmentalists have shut down mining in our nation. Uh, they have these deep-pocketed radical environmental groups working with liberal judges using the Endangered Species Act to shut down. We can't even get a copper mine permanent in Montana. 35 years in that Rock Creek mine up in northwestern Montana. And so... We need, we need to continue that fight domestically. But look, Ukraine is sitting on a treasure of, of critical minerals that we will need in America going forward. Otherwise, Russia and China will control those critical minerals. And so I think there's something to be done here of asking for that as collateral and security for a loan we can make for lethal aid only uh, because I do believe this is important that we stand up to our commitments. Um, now, having said all of that, what I, and by the way, I, I support the lethal aid to Israel as well, to stand with uh, our most, one of the most important allies in the world. But let me just say this. Part of what we have to do in Washington, importantly, is prioritize. And it's very difficult. How do we, how do we justify sending dollars over to secure Ukraine's border when our own southern border is wide open and being invaded by people on the FBI terror watch list? That is a huge problem. And that's why many of us who support lethal aid to Ukraine could not support that prior bill, the budget, the uh, border bill, because it's not addressing the most important pressing issue we have in our nation is to secure our border first. So I hope that helps you, Harry, understand um, what we're trying to sort through right now in terms of prioritizing and support. Now, on your question about oil and gas, look, um, if you talk to oil and gas producers in this country, they will tell you that Joe Biden and the EPA and the Department of Energy have been absolutely uh, barriers to them trying to get even more oil and gas produced. Look what Joe Biden did two weeks ago. His own Secretary of Energy, Secretary of Energy Grenholm, stopped LNG permits for new LNG terminals that were going to be exporting more LNG around the world. After Putin invaded Ukraine, after the Germans shut down their coal plants, you know, Europe has been a mess from an energy perspective 
And America can play a very important role of countering Putin's aggression through energy, because energy security, in my opinion, is national security. But uh, Joe Biden has been no friend to oil and gas production. He, they, they are radical green I call it the green hallucination, not the green deal. They are they're living in an alternative reality. These EV mandates requiring that 70% of all of our vehicles have to be electric here in the next decade. Uh, it's ridiculous. It's dangerous. We have to fight against it. But we'd be doing so much better if President Trump were in office because he supports more oil and gas production. And yes, oil and gas production has increased of late, but that's not because of Joe Biden. It's in spite of Joe Biden. All right. I just real quickly, I just want you to know that the Montana Supreme Court just this week uh, approved a mine up in uh, a copper mine up in White Sulphur Springs. and They're going to be going for it. So I, I've toured that mine. It's the Blackfeet mine up there by White Sulphur Springs. Really, really big deal. But there's an example where the state of Montana is doing the right thing. This gets back to principle of federalism, of letting the states control our destiny. Let the states control our destiny with grizzly bears and wolves <laughs> versus having the federal government. So the reason we prevailed in that case, because it was in the state court, and by the way, that project is on private land. We're not talking about federal lands. If that right. project were on federal lands, there would have been a very different outcome in the Ninth Circuit Court. All right, let's get John on the line. John, thank you for holding. You're on with Senator Steve Day. Go ahead. Good morning, Senator Deans. Quick question, uh, change from the national level. Uh, regarding the Postal Service, I understand the uh, Postmaster General wants to make some major changes in Postal Service. Uh, more in particular, for example, in Missoula, they want to ship uh, uh, mailing over to Spokane and then reship it back to Missoula for dispersion. Uh, I wonder what your thoughts are on all of this that's going on. Okay, thanks for the call, yeah. John. John, thank you. Well, I've been aggressively pushing back on this decision. I mean, you know, it just takes a little Montana common sense to say, how do we improve our mail service for Montana by shipping a, a, a sorting service from Missoula to Spokane? Tell me how that works to get better service. You think about what, what the what important mail service is, how many of our veterans and seniors get their prescription medications come through the mail. This is really important that we have good service quick service as it relates to the United States Postal Service. So I've pushed back aggressively on that. I sent a letter to the Postmaster General DeJoy saying, look, this is a bad decision. We want to keep the sorting operations in Missoula. Okay, let's uh, get Jerry on the line. Jerry, good morning. You're on Talk Back with Senator Steve Daines. Go ahead. You know, good morning, Senator. Thank you for your time this morning. Uh, I'll be brief. With uh, Senator McConnell stepping down, do you have any plans on throwing your hat in the ring for the leadership and if not why not we we need a good strong leader at the top thank you all right thank yeah. you for the call jerry J jerry th thank you for um uh, uh for the uh the, the kind uh, compliment jerry let me tell you something truly um it's not lost on me that the reason I served back here is because the people of Montana said I could. They voted for me. They reelected me in 2020, and I served the people of Montana. Uh, I, I at this point, I'm focused on getting the majority back in the United States Senate. You know, we we won't have a majority leader conversation if we don't have the majority first. So that's really where I'm focused on it. I, I mean, I've had other people come to me of late. Um, President Trump has asked me to think about this as well. I mean, it, it's this is something that I've been asked to, to step up uh, for that kind of role in the United States Senate. But I, I truly, at this point, um, I'm singularly focused on winning back the United States Senate and uh, making sure we're taking care of Montana. We'll wait and see what tells 
after the election. Let's hope there's a majority leader discussion after the election because we got to make sure we get the majority back. Let's get Dave on now. Dave, you're on with Senator Daines. Go ahead, sir. Yes, about remain in Mexico. On March 4th, 2020, the Ninth Appeals Court ruled that that remain in Mexico was was against our present immigration laws. Uh, as such, the laws of the land, as they see, seen it was was that it was on uh, not a, a good plan, and that um, the president laid. He stopped the program before it got to the Supreme Court, but it was already it was already considered the illegal operation. What do you say to that? All right, thanks for yeah. the call, Dave. Well, good, good question, Dave. Look, um, it, it, they've got to modify um, the past past uh, policy remain in Mexico, but that can be done to ensure that it meets the constitutionality requirements that the courts ruled on. Um, he, here, here's the main point: is Joe Biden does not want to solve this problem. He truly doesn't. They they want to see open borders. They they are approving of this invasion that's going on as we speak. So if you want to solve the problem, what you do is you go back and modify the Remain in Mexico policy such that it does meet the requirements that the court was asking for in terms of their ruling. That's a fixable problem. But Joe Biden does not want to fix the problem. Senate Democrats don't want to either. If they wanted to, they'd be, they'd be down in Joe Biden's office screaming at him saying, please reinstate the policies that were working under President Trump, amend the Remain in Mexico policy to make it constitutional, and go forward. If they wanted to solve the problem, they could. The point is they don't want to. And this is why this trip for Joe Biden down the southern border is nothing more than a photo op. He's going down there because he's got a political crisis. He's not worried about the border crisis. He's worried about his political crisis. This will be a photo op to try to show the American people he's doing something because his State of the Union address is next week. He knows he can't go into that State of the Union address without you know, showing up. Remember something else. Three years ago, Joe Biden said, yes, I'm going to appoint Kamala Harris as the border czar. Do we all remember that? She said – or he said she's going to take care of the border issues. Well, give me a break. This has become a national security crisis, and it's right in the lap of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Senator, Senator Daines, we want to be faithful to your time. It's exactly 830. Thank you for spending this time with us. We look forward to another visit, sir. Great. Thanks, Peter. Thank you, Steve. Take care. All right. Senator Steve Daines, we appreciate that. We're going to come right back. Uh, we have some uh, lost ground to, to, uh, to cover. We're going to come right back after this quick timeout. Get a call from Catherine. All right, crew. Let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. 
Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Life is full of moments from first steps, first loves, moments that make life special. Life can also bring us difficult and disruptive moments like a cancer diagnosis. Which is why the groundbreaking work of Stand Up to Cancer is so vital. They know the problem of cancer won't be solved by one doctor, one lab, or one hospital. It takes collaboration. That's why Stand Up to Cancer brings together top minds from different fields to find new and better treatments so patients can thrive. So when it matters, we can all show up for moments of a lifetime. Please join Stand Up to Cancer and Myrtle Beach to help families get back to where they belong, making new memories for years to come. Please go to StandUpToCancer.org to see how you can join the mission. Hey, welcome back to Talk Back. 721-1290 is our number. I want to say thank you to uh, Senator Steve Daines, who was kind enough to spend uh, a few minutes with us. And we look forward to that on a regular basis with all of our uh, our uh, uh, congressional delegation uh, as, as as time goes on. Uh, Catherine has been waiting uh, for quite a while. Catherine, thank you for your patience. What's on your mind, Matt? Oh, good morning. Um, so this is something that I kind of wanted to bring up with the uh, senator, but I sent you a, a um, an email about uh, the uh, EPA and uh, the new regulatory, regulatory proposals that the White House is pushing forward on um, P, uh, what's that? They're called PFASs. Did okay. you read that? Uh, I'm I, I'm, okay. I'm looking for it right now. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the World Health Organization um, recommends that governments limit uh, forever plastics. Those are called PFASs. Um, they are resistant to breaking down in the environment. At a level of 100 parts per trillion, Japan set a limit of 50 parts per trillion, and Sweden, uh, 90 parts per trillion. But then the EPA, and this is what the uh, White House is trying to do, is trying to reduce its, its uh, limit of 70 parts per trillion to four parts per trillion. Wow. Which means um, that um, the EPA's proposed standards would probably increase water costs by anywhere from $80 to $11,150 per year wow. for each household. Wow. Um, the uh, American Water Works Association argues that the new standards would amount to $3.8 billion in new annual costs. And the Department of Defense, the Pentagon, is not real happy about this either because it would, would um, 
cause a huge um, problem with their infrastructure, um, including batteries, semiconductors, and most weaponry. So, um, they estimate that it would require $39 billion to clean up the contamination for um, Obama-era recommendations. So... Uh, anyway, but remember, it's 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 it, it, it's all for our good, Catherine. Right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> the more more money out of our pockets. Um, it's the EPA limits of arsenic in water at ten parts per billion and cyanide at two hundred parts per billion. So the EPA is asking um, taxpayers to pay tens of billions of dollars to bring. This is a quote to bring the prevalence of some plastics to a level less than a fraction of a percent of what we allow for literal poisons. The um, White House Office of Regulatory Affairs is reviewing the final rule. Um, there is a, uh, it, it pushes the standards through prior to the Congressional Review Act of May 22nd. This will become law. So, you know, expect a real increase in your water costs. Wow. Well, Catherine, thanks for bringing that to our attention. Thank you very much. You're welcome. All right. Bye. We're, we're going to take a break and right back. Oh, phone, phone lines are open at 721-1290. I will be right back with more. Hopefully, uh, yeah, whatever might be on, be on your mind, give us a call at 721-1290. Back after this. Dennis Bragg with the Town Square weather forecast. Rain or freezing rain at times Thursday, depending on your location. And that could make driving tricky over Lookout and Lolo Passes. Mild temperatures in the valleys, though, with highs well into the 50s. Expect some very gusty winds in excess of 30 miles per hour throughout the day. A 90% chance of rain turning to snow late Thursday night into Friday morning as cold air returns. But no real accumulations into the valleys. Snow showers will be scattered going into the weekend. Hey, we're back on Talk Back. Open phones continues. Let's uh, get Dave on the line. Dave, good morning. Uh, you're back on Talk Back. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, first of all, about remain in Mexico. First of all, you know, I think, you know, Joe Biden made a mistake by not just waiting for the Supreme Court to to rule that, yeah, remain in Mexico as written by present laws is un- is not is not legal. And, you know, he Danes talked about tweeting the law. Well, that requires rewriting the law. That requires Congress and the president to, to get together and agree on it. And so far, they're not. They're not. They're not agreeing on it. it the present law that the president can do would be illegal. He cannot do remain in Mexico as as Donald Trump tried to do. You have to change the law. And it just appears to me that uh, there are a lot of politicians who don't don't want to change the law, want to use it as a, a political issue. All right. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for the call. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we're going to come right back. Uh, we, we got a little bit behind in our breaks. Uh, Tom, if you'll hang on, we're going to take a quick commercial break at your phone call on, then we should be called up. Uh, 721-1290 is our number. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back, everybody. It's open phones on Talkback. Tom, uh, Tom, thank you for holding, sir. You are on Talkback. What's on your mind? Yeah, good morning. Maybe somebody should uh, remind President uh, Biden that uh, if he can't do things because uh, the Supreme Court says no, we could uh, stop, um, you know, forgiving student loans over and over and over again, what the Supreme Court already told him he couldn't do. But anyway, I want to talk about this, the uh, electricity in uh, Missoula. Uh, 
Now, some of the electricity, I, I don't know exactly what you guys are on up there, but we're on, you know, Ravalli County uh, Co-op. But uh, people are going to be given a chance in the city of Missoula to get their electricity either from, uh, you know, regular sources or from strictly green sources. And um, the, the, if you get it from strictly green sources, your bill is going to be uh, significantly higher. Now, I'm just wondering how many people in Missoula are going to opt for the uh, taking their uh, electricity strictly from green sources to pay like uh, twice the price. So uh, that's just one of the things. And I don't know, if, Peter, if you've uh, heard about this. But, I, uh, I have not. That's I, in the works. And I, I will tell you that that would take an enormous amount of A, money, and B, political commitment. Uh, to say, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, your power bill is 175, but mine's going to be 400 dollars. But that's okay. I don't mind paying that because I'm doing the right thing for the planet. Yeah, well, maybe uh, you know you could uh, get a little info on this from uh, you know uh, people like Trinell because uh, this is actually out there. You're going to be able to make a choice. So uh, you yeah. know your bill will come or whatever, and you'll you'll they'll say, where do you want your power from? This is um, how much per megawatt or whatever they charge, kilowatt hours. And uh, so people are going to be given the choice. And I'm just very curious because Missoula is always, you know, waiting in the Missoula City Council on, uh, yeah. you know, Gaza and everything else, you know. So maybe they can wade in on this. And it won't be up to the city council. It'll be up to the individual rate payer. Do me, so, do, do me anyway, a favor. Uh, do me a favor. I, what, did you, can you uh, give me a reference as to where you found this? Well, you know, I guess it was probably, I know everything on the internet's not true, but it, right. it's, uh, it was just an article I was reading and, uh, it, you know, it just said, you know, you're going to be given a chance to, to make a choice. And so, uh, you know, and then uh, just getting back one more little thing while I got you on the line about this, um, you know, people coming from across the Southern border, maybe, um, people that, uh, are supporting the open border might think twice about, uh, their 20 year, 22 year old daughter being butchered by a, an illegal alien. Which is living in an apartment in Athens, Georgia, with three other illegal aliens. And I haven't heard a word about them saying they're going to deport those guys. So, you know, it's just it just boggles my mind. You know, I, I, personally, I think uh, our country is doomed. You know, we're just doomed with with what we allow to go on here. So, yeah, I, wa- anyway, I, I wonder you how you. A- yeah, I wonder how you walk all that back. You know, how, how, how do you walk it back after there's the estimate is over eight million people are in here illegally ever since President Biden took office. So if that's true, how in the world do you walk that back? Well, people in Montana just haven't, you know, where every state's a border state. People in Montana just haven't seen it yet. Just have not seen it yet. That It's coming. It's coming, especially when, uh, you know, we got people, uh, you know, in charge of places like Missoula and, and Bozeman and places like that. And uh, this other thing on Black Butte Copper, as long as I got you on the line, is, uh, you know, there's an election coming up for the Montana Supreme Court, I guess, this year. I'm not sure exactly when it is, but that's the reason that, you know, they voted the way they did, because they're worried about not getting their, their liberal little uh, cushy jobs back, you know. So uh, I think that's the other reason we're in big trouble with the Montana Supreme Court. People just need to wake up, you know, when um, they're voting for these people who, uh, you know, they overturn every law that's passed by the legislature or they give it a try. And now the guy that's running for governor, the lieutenant governor, he's the guy that's behind all this cases in the Supreme Court. So anyway, I'll give somebody else a chance to come on and 
Say what a bozo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, th- thanks, thanks, for the, guys. thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Emmett's on the line. Emmett, good morning. It's uh, Open Phones on Talkback, sir. What's up? Thanks for taking my call. Well, in response to Dave's comment, yeah, I j- just started listening. It's, you know, the president does have, as commander-in-chief, as the president, the authority to close down the border. He doesn't need Congress's permission to say, can I please close the border? The laws are already on the books. It's illegal to cross illegally into our border. It's illegal. If we enforce the laws that are on the books that Congress did pass, we could shut that border down. We could deport the illegal immigrants. I'm all for legal immigration. I'm all for refugee status. I'm not against Hispanics. I worship with Hispanics, so I do believe in taking care of the poor and the sick, as one of our other callers, I think, mentioned, you know, why don't Chris, why do Christians are so oppressive or don't, or mean-spirited? We're not. We're just against illegal immigration. If we enforce the laws that are already on the books, they're there to protect, um, to say we can enforce the border. Illegal immigration is illegal. We can deport them, and the president does have the authority vested in him to protect and shut down that border when necessary and keep illegal immigrants and refugees coming. So that's just what I wanted to say. If we enforce our laws, we could stop this tomorrow. And it is a huge problem. All right, man. Thanks for the call. 721-1290 is our number. 1-800-568-5309. All right, stay with us. We've got more coming up. Uh, more open phones. Standing by after this. In the studio with Dennis Bragg with the Town Square weather forecast. Rain or freezing rain at times Thursday, depending on your location. And that could make driving tricky over Lookout and Lolo Passes. Mild temperatures in the valleys, though, with highs well into the 50s. Expect some very gusty winds in excess of 30 miles per hour throughout the day. A 90% chance of rain turning to snow late Thursday night into Friday morning as cold air returns. But no real accumulations into the valleys. Snow showers will be scattered going into the weekend. Man, I could have had a windmill on my, yeah, <laughs> my, my house, but I guess not. Anyway, uh, we are back on Talk Back, and uh, third time's the charm, I guess. Uh, Dave, you have more to say, sir. Go ahead. How many illegal immigrants did Biden... Uh, I, uh, well, you're having a hard time hearing you. you. You're coming in very faint. Hello? Dave? Dave, are you there? Okay. okay. I'm, I'm try, sure he will call back. Yeah, try, try to call back. Yeah, we have a bad connection there. Uh, real quick, I uh, just wanted to obviously announce we just put up this story, but there is a, a missing man in Missoula right now named uh, Richard Rick Ritz. He's uh, 47 years old, and uh, he's been missing uh, since yesterday, um, and his family's really concerned. Uh, Ritz, he's approximately five foot six. He was last seen wearing a maroon shirt, blue jeans, and uh, tan and yellow work boots. Uh, if you know where Ritz might be or have any information, uh, please call 728-0911. Um, and if you need to see a picture of him, that is on our website right now. Okay. So. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for putting that up, Nick. Appreciate that. That's, that's always tough when somebody goes missing. So anyway, the phone lines are ringing. We've got uh, more folks uh, coming on to uh, open phones here, uh, before the top of the hour. And then we have another half hour of open phones after that before we talk to the folks from Community Medical Center. We have Harry. All right, Harry, you're back. Go ahead, sir. What's on your mind? Yeah, yeah. Just uh, Steve Daines is a really good uh, politician. I mean, he ties things together that don't. You know, we heard of uh, non sequiturs. Well, <laughs> it's you know tying the 
a border to the uh, uh, Ukraine thing as like saying, well, you know, well, geez, you pull a cop pulls you over. He's like, what are you pulling me over for? We got an open border. I mean, there's, there's nothing to do with one that has nothing to do with the other. I mean, you know, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's a very good, you know, a neat ploy where you change the subject of it without really answering the question. But well, uh, no, no, let, 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 let me ask you a question here. Don't don't both of those uh, aren't both of those issues a part of one bill, uh, a kind of an omnibus bill, if you will, a spending bill. Uh, so well, why, they, they, why not put them together? And because if, they, if one passes, then the other is funded as well. They they were, but then they uh, when the uh, I think the state the senator, well uh, yeah, both of them senators didn't vote or vote against it. They separated out the uh, border from the other ones. But you know, it, and the only reason to have them together is to either to make sure you don't uh, pass them or you do pass them. But I mean, still tying together. It, it makes no. There's there not nothing connecting them. I mean, I can see saying you know foreign aid, foreign aid where we have you know Ukraine and uh, the. Uh, Israel and you know because those are all similar, but uh, the, tying the border to it has nothing to do with either. You know, it's if you want the border passed, bo- pass it. Or you know, uh, like. Uh, uh, Dave says, you know, well, I, 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 I will tell you, you bring up an interesting issue because uh, for a long, long, long time ago, uh, there used to be single issue bills. Right. And then and then right. became then then became uh, they tied several bills together. Now we have these things called omnibus bills, which are thousands of pages long. Nobody ever reads them. And uh, and, and there and, and the uh, when Nancy Pelosi was a speaker, she would just say, trust me, uh, pass this baby and trillions and trillions of dollars of spending uh without really a whole lot of accountability. So I, yeah, I, 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 I like going back to the one-issue one, one issue bills. Yeah, well, the thing is that they do it to, so they get stuff passed that they, you know, is, well, we, we know this has to be passed, but we want this to be passed, so, you know, we'll tie them together. So they, if you, you know, pass this one, you got to pass what I want, whether you like it or not. But, yeah, I mean, but still, it's tying stuff together. It, it doesn't make any sense other than, Okay, well, that's an excuse why not to vote for it. So, uh, yeah, and this uh, keep saying, well, um, you're saying that, well, the uh, president has the power to do whatever, you know, to close the border. What, what law is that? I mean, please, you know, I want to hear the word, you know, the wording of the law is what really matters. I mean, to say, well, he has, he can do that doesn't you know prove anything i read it on the internet doesn't prove anything i mean uh to say well i read you know this uh, like like the energy thing you can have uh get green energy how does that work because we're going to run new wires for you i mean it is it's all coming from the same uh circuit so unless you put the solar panels on your house you can't say, well, this is coming from this and, and only that, you know, from uh, green power. But just because you read it on the internet doesn't make it so. You know, you got to think these things through a little bit. All right. Thanks for the call. Appreciate yeah. that. We have about a minute left before we have to take a quick break. I believe Steve is up next. Sure. Steve got about a minute and a half, sir. What's on your mind? Hey, uh, one thing on that, you know, you guys were just discussing the omnibus bills and how the legislature used to pass them one at a time, just like we do here in the great state of Montana. I just want to educate Dave and Harry, who, by the way, I don't know if it's me or if anyone else feels the same way, but every time I turn on your show, all I ever hear is from Dave and Harry. And I got to be honest with you, I'm getting a little tired of it. Again, maybe I'm alone. I probably am. It's only me. 
but the, hearing these guys drone on is just it's insane. Uh, but regarding the omnibus bills and the way we do it here in Montana, Rosendale tried to get that passed at the start of this session. So I'm hopeful that maybe Dave and Harry, our local uh, communist socialist history buffs, would uh, support someone like Rosendale who tried to put that forward and create that as a rule in the House legislature this year um, in the future. But again, you know, we'd love to hear from other folks other than Dave and And Harry. I know you guys only take each call as they come in. Yeah, you bet. Hey, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. As a matter of fact, after the top of the hour, Jeff and... uh, Dave is back. So we're going to come right back after the top of the hour. Open phones for another half hour coming right up. This is Talkback 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. This is News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. KGVO, Missoula's news and weather station. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Hour number two of the Thursday edition of Talkback for this leap day. There you go. It's brought to you this morning by Gomer's U.S. Diesel Parts. No matter how cold it might get, Gomer's has exactly what you need to make sure your rig starts every time. Gomer's U.S. Diesel Parts and Service at Palmer and West Broadway. Also brought to you by Harrington Surgical Supply, where appointments are preferred for mastectomy fittings and custom compressions, but walk-ins are always welcome. And Why West Storage is out at the Y on Two Smokes Way. They're also sponsoring Talkback for pricing and availability. Here's their number. It's 510-0590-406. Of course, Why West Storage making room for you. And at Phillips Janitorial, they offer both residential and commercial cleaning. And uh, whether it's a big job or a small job, home or business, here's their number. 406-260-6617. Okay. Hmm. All right, let's try this. The views and opinions expressed on TalkBack are not those of the staff, management, or advertisers. Very strange. All right, we are back on TalkBack 721 The buttons don't work. Anyway, Nick Christensen over there. I'm Peter Christian, and we have folks waiting on the line with open phones. I believe Jeff is up next. Good morning, Jeff. What's on your mind? Hey, good morning. It's the, uh, Yeah, the buttons are the hardest part. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I kind of want to point out, I... I uh, called in while you were talking earlier, and I'm not sure this got discussed, but that the practice of presenting omnibus bills, wrapping everything into one huge giant package, uh, actually started in the 1970s with the Democrats. And all, all spending bills originate in the House. And so that was a House practice by House Democrat leadership. So it's the Republicans who have started the practice again, uh, actually only in the last Congress, of separating them into the six. Uh, historical spending bills and, and voting on each one individually. And that's the problem with this whole uh, Israel slash Ukraine slash border bill is that that got wrapped up. That started in the Senate and that got wrapped up as one huge package. And in my mind, uh, for, uh, forgive me if I get a little bit crude, but it's kind of like making brownies when you have mouse droppings on the counter. Okay. And so, you know, you've got a brownie there, and it might be really nice, even with sprinkles on top. But, you know, there's some mouse turds in there. Oh, my goodness. And 
you know, yeah, and, and, and leadership is saying, here, please, have a bite of this brownie. Take this brownie. It, it, it's mostly good for you. There's just a tiny bit of bad stuff in there. Wow. And the same person goes, no, I'm not going to vote for that. It's got that poison pill in there. So um, that, that to me, describes the whole, the whole uh, what my mindset would be and, and the mindset that I think that most uh, conservatives have on, on these omnibus bills. No, you don't get to put uh, poison in there. I, do, I want it uh, clean. I want it uh, the way it's supposed to be. Well, I, I will um, say, we'll say this too, uh, Jeff, and that was during, during the pandemic. I know that uh, Speaker Pelosi, uh, they, they encouraged the Congress not to physically come into the building. And so that that was also a big push to get these omnibus bills so that uh, uh, rather than sending out you know 50 or 60 or 70 different bills to people all over the place, let's just shove it all into one and send it all out. And all you have to do is hit hit yes once. Yeah, well, if you're on Zoom, you can hit uh, yes six times as well as you can hit it one time. I hear you. So hear uh, you. to me, that's an excuse. All right, man. Um, and then, and then, second of all, really quick, um, the law that was asked for that gives the president the authority to do this it is the Immigra- Immigration and Nationality Act of 1952. It's Section 212F of that law. I'm not going to read it because I've read it before. But basically, the president can do what the president needs to do to shut down the border. And it has been modified slightly. The, the, the entire act has been modified slightly. But Section 212F, as I understand it, still stands unmodified. So Immigration and Nationality Act of 1952, Section 212F. All right. Good to know. Thanks for the call, Jeff. Appreciate it. Yep. All right. Uh, let's get. Okay, Dave. <laughs> Dave. Again, we have no other callers. Yes. So Dave is our only yes. caller. But yes. Yes. Dave is on. Yes. Okay, well, Dave. Thank you. Thank you for letting me on. You're I, the star people, of the show. Go ahead. What's up? Right. Some some people want me forced off the air. I guess, but um, they they just they just they just disagree with you, Dave. But go ahead. Well, yeah, but they want to shut me up too. So um, anyway, Joe Biden has. Uh, kick people out of the country. Last year, he kicked 142,000 out. So there is some of that. But but the, uh, he's talking, you know, your, your caller said about what, the 1952 law, but that covers, certainly there is national emergency situations where a president can act. But the 1980 law passed give refugees a lot of rights. And that is in effect today and that is what the problem on the border is right now a lot of these people most of them showing up at the border are claiming refugee status and as such they have rights they have rights to do their day in court and uh, to prove or just they have to prove their um, their claims so it's Illegal aliens, yes. There's lots of laws saying illegal aliens can be kicked out, but most of them showing up go over and find uh, some uh, some authority and says, "I want to be called a refugee," and that is the problem. That is what Remain in Mexico was all about: trying to keep keep those people from from having their day in court. All right, man. Thanks for the call. Okay, fourth time, yeah. fourth time's the charm, Dave. Thanks. We're going to come right back. Seven two one twelve nine is our number. A skip is waiting to visit with us. It is open phones for the next twenty minutes, and then 
We're going to talk about some health stuff with our friends of, at Community Medical Center. They're going to be here with us and uh, talking about colorectal health. So all that, it's very, very important for all of us, especially as older guys. So we're going to come right back with more of Talk Back. Open phones for the next 20 minutes. Stay with us. When scientists... Dennis Bragg with the Town Square weather forecast. Rain or freezing rain at times Thursday, depending on your location. And that could make driving tricky over Lookout and Lolo Passes. Mild temperatures in the valleys, though, with highs well into the 50s. Expect some very gusty winds in excess of 30 miles per hour throughout the day. A 90% chance of rain turning to snow late Thursday night into Friday morning as cold air returns. But no real accumulations into the valleys. Snow showers will be scattered going into the weekend. Okay, we are back on TalkBack. It's open phones for the next, oh, about 18 minutes or so. Uh, let's get uh, Bob on the line. Bob, good morning. Thanks for calling. What's on your mind, sir? Hey, good morning. Uh, I just have been listening to some of the comments, of course, from uh, Senator Daines and, and the callers. And just a point of clarification, uh, Dave, I understand, is on the right track in terms of the legalities. But um, these are not refugees that are coming in at the numbers that we see. These are folks that are coming in as immigrants applying for asylum. And that's where when you apply for asylum, you are then released into the country. And no doubt, this is where you have sometimes years before people actually get a hearing to determine whether their asylum case meets the standards so that they then are able to stay in the United States legally. Refugees come in under a whole different type of system and in much smaller numbers. Um, and I know, obviously, politically speaking, we take our sides, but um, I did a little research. Cato uh, Institute, when Trump entered the White House with the goal of reducing legal immigration by 63%, he was very successful in reducing legal immigration. By November 2020, the Trump administration reduced the number of green cards issued by a very substantial amount, as well as visas to non-immigrants during his first term. What did not happen was illegal immigration was still increasing under Trump. And this is not to blame Trump or Biden, but this is a structural and political failure on both parties' parts in terms of reducing illegal immigration. Now, would the wall have worked? Yet to be determined, uh, what I'm just trying to say is be careful about making assumptions under what administration was the harder case. Look, under Obama, he actually sent and deported more people than anybody that has since come. So um, uh, just a couple of quick comments. I'll the call is chew on that and welcome what their uh, retorts and thoughts would be, guys. All right, Bob, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. 721-1290 is our number. It's always good to hear from Bob uh, from the Montana World Affairs Council. Of course, he's on quite a bit, and we appreciate his his expertise on that. Let's get Skip on the line. Skip, good morning. You are on TalkBack, sir. What's up? Well, thanks. Thank you, Peter. Um, I, I only heard one caller about, I guess, seven callers back now. Let's see. Uh, and it had to do with he brought up the Supreme Court of the state of Montana and and he wasn't sure how it was going to be in this election. But there's two slots open. One of them is for Supreme Court Chief Justice and then for another slot. So meanwhile, so what it'll take, because there's no hour D next to their name. And, and I hope Rob touches on this again next Monday when he's on uh, and, and all of these other uh, some some other people understand. Uh, your your uh, people of guests 
uh, understand uh, the the importance of, of getting our Supreme Court right in this in this state, uh, because we have to we have to try and fill those with with a different uh, a different kind of mindset, a more conservative mindset, and to be honest, and and for instance, uh, with these two slots open. Uh, because they they left some constitutional initiatives uh, on the table when they signed died out of the last session. Uh, one of those would have been for the governor to make appointments. While he's uh, we have a Republican governor, could have made Republic not Republican but conservative appointments to those two slots. Now we are going to be the ones to vote on them. The people need to learn uh, more about in depth. The, the the consistencies of the individuals that are running as to how they may vote. Because everything that comes out of our legislature, even a half a dozen bills in the last session, even with a supermajority, everything gets turned over like like popcorn by by uh, basically six out of seven people on the Supreme Court. And, and it happens all the time, and we need to not have a junior legislature, but actually have one that's effective, especially when we have majorities on the Republican side. We need to learn about that. I hope everybody understands that. Thank you for letting me vent, sir. Have a great day. That's okay. We appreciate it. I I will tell you that uh, when it comes to the Montana Supreme Court, it, 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 it's it's a different animal. Uh, it, and Nick knows because he's, he produces talkback. And when whenever there's an opening, somebody wants to, we, we had, uh, I believe, someone a couple of years ago who wanted to run for the Montana Supreme Court, a, a friend of mine I actually went to high school with, right? And so, yeah, we'd love to have you on. Comes in, um, and uh, he's standing right there waiting to take phone calls and questions about, well, you know, talk about this. Well, that's already before the court. I can't comment on that. Well, what what, what about this? Well, uh, uh, unfortunately, that uh, is going to come before the court, and I really can't comment on that. So it, it makes it really, really difficult to determine where a person stands when they uh, are running for an office like the Montana Supreme Court. I will say when uh, when James Brown decided to run, yes. what was that, a couple of years ago? He I was guess different. Now, he was a different. He yeah. answered a lot of a lot of questions and, you know, still kind of stayed on topic. So that I don't know if that was an anomaly, but, yeah, I, I distinctly remember when he was on, uh, he actually answered quite a few good and questions. I, and, I, and, and he lost that race. He did. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> I, I don't know if, if one has anything to do with the other, but uh, it, it is extraordinarily difficult. Now, when you think about the U.S. Supreme Court, right, and and of course we, uh, President Trump, I, I think, uh, appointed three people to the Supreme Court, three or four, and so uh, w- what the U.S. Supreme Court does, the U.S. Supreme Court has to uh, has to um, uh, vote for district judges and 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 the and the and the U.S. Senate and the government is all involved in that. So if you want if you will, conservative people in the Montana Supreme Court, then you have to be able to find out where they where they stand on certain issues. And that's extremely difficult well, in, in this environment. Yeah, because you have to do your own research. I mean, I think right. Austin Knutson's probably been the most vocal of anybody that we've had on the show about, 
you know, his issues with uh, people in the Supreme Court and then, you know, his kind of where where he leans in terms of who he'd like in there, too. So because he does the research. So yeah. you bet. OK, we're, we're going to come right back. Seven two one twelve ninety is our number. Skip is waiting to talk with us. And uh, I believe uh, we might have Dave back again. <laughs> so we're going to come right back with uh, more of talk back after this brief timeout. Visit. Hey, we are back on Talkback, and it's open phones continue here for about another seven minutes or so. And then we'll be welcoming folks from Missoula Community Medical Center. We're going to talk about uh, preventive health screenings and uh, specifically colorectal. And we're talking with with uh, good folks there from the Community Medical Center about that issue. So let's get uh, Skip on the line. Skip, good morning. You're on Talkback. Hi. Thank you, Peter. Uh, I, I just had left off two sentences a few minutes ago when I spoke to you, and uh, one of them uh, had to do with keeping your eye on who the Trial Lawyers Association is backing. That's going to be your liberal candidate for for any of the uh, either Supreme Court or down ticket court positions in circuit court. And then also, uh, you can you can find out who some of these judge candidates have personally uh, donated to uh, of, of different political factions, whether they've donated to a Republican cause or a Democrat cause, and get an idea of whether they want to legislate from the bench uh, if they get elected uh, as a, as a uh, liberal or whether they want to be a, a conservative. And, and finally, in our Supreme Court, get something a little different balances six to one when it comes to liberals versus a conservative, which would be right. But thank you, sir. I appreciate it. All right. And th- thanks for the clarification. Thanks for calling back, letting us know. Appreciate it. Uh, we have just a few minutes left in our time for open phones. And then the folks from the Community Medical Center will be joining us here in the studio. Uh, they're already in the green room, in fact. Now, yesterday, I had the privilege of uh, of covering the Missoula City Council uh, and their, their hearing uh, to hear the uh, 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 fire chief Gordy Hughes was there to talk about their the fact that they are going to put a seven million dollar bond issue uh, on the ballot in June, and of course they did not do it in, in the last uh, because they didn't want to over because we hadn't learned what the facts were about the property taxes yet. So I think they very wisely left that off, and so now they're putting it on in June, and unfortunately now they're late. Because they're, uh, according to Gordy and of course the, the other folks who, who testified yesterday before the city council, we, uh, there's something called an ISO rating and that uh, basically, uh, uh, helps you, uh, depending on how good the ISO rating is, our, uh, uh, home insurance, our fire insurance, hazard insurance, uh, rates depend on how good our ISO rating is. And if our ISO rating goes down, then our insurance rates will automatically go up. So they're asking for $7 million, $7 million bond over, I think the next, uh, I'm not sure how much, I think, I think it's going to be a permanent, um, uh, addition because they need, they need a whole bunch more firefighters and they need another new fire station. So I guess I'm wondering, I realize we only have a few more minutes to talk about this, but is this, is this something, uh, we need that the Missoula community needs to do? 
And, of course, there are a lot of other demands for money going on right now. The MCPS is asking for a $5 million uh, levy for the schools, for the public schools, $7 million for uh, the fire department, and so many other needs uh, here in the Missoula community. So, Nick. Well, yeah, no, and I think that uh, you picked a perfect quote for your story yesterday because people are going to want to know, okay, $7 million, how much is that going to cost me? Well, Chief Hughes said if we pass a levy, approximately $46 Per $100,000 of assessed value would be added to your tax bill. He said, however, more along the median range value of a house that costs $539,000 would have an assessed tax value of about $189 a year. So, you know, if your home's about worth that much, that's kind of what you're looking at for a year. And he said, that's a small investment in my opinion. He says... That's like uh, 50 cents a day. Yeah, yeah. You know, you start... But that that's how be, you that's how everyone tries to get you to vote for these levies, right? They're right. like, it's a cup of coffee a day or it's this a day. And you start having multiple places that think you have 12 cups of coffee a day. Stuff adds up. But, um, you know, I, I will say they've they've been very vocal in the fact that this has been a long time coming. It's not a quick thing that they've been operating for years now experiencing increased call volumes um and that they're adding about a thousand calls per year and they just point blank said that it's gotten to the point where they're not able to operate in an effective manner and they're not getting to calls as quickly as they should or want to and sometimes they get stuck on the other side of town so so yeah they want about uh, a new fire station like you said and about 20 new firefighters and um and it just sounds like that money will be put to good use, but I mean, people got to vote for it, right? It's the same I know. as anything else. Yeah, so. Over the years, I've had a chance to to talk with uh, uh, the the fire department about various things, and uh, there was recent there was recently an opening. I think they two openings in the fire department. They need to hire two people, and I asked them about that, and they said they get. Because Missoula is such a desirable place for people in that in that uh, uh, in that service to to live, that they usually get somewhere from fifty to a hundred different people from all over the country wanting to come to Missoula, Montana, to be a, a city firefighter. Yeah, it used to be really high in demand. Yeah. yeah, it's it's extraordinarily competitive, and uh, and so it, it it wouldn't be that competitive if it wasn't a great department. And they didn't do good work, and uh, people want to live in a great place. So, Well, and I know you also quoted uh, Sandra Vasica, a friend of our show, city councilor for Ward 6, and she said during the meeting that perhaps the, sh- the city could cut <laughs> unnecessary programs <laughs> to find the fundings. And she you know, mentioned how she was able to find over half a million dollars in savings just by herself, but she did say she has a couple of colleagues that are willing to help her this time so that maybe they can find $7 million or maybe close to that, what, yeah. whatever it ends up being, and that they won't have to have this levy that long. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like that. Task the city council with maybe seeing where we can save a few bucks yeah, and go to infrastructure and fire, which we need. You I bet. Mean, How about that? Cutting spending. Isn't that, that crazy? That, that's it's a novel idea. I, I, unless, unless, it's, unless it's your deal that's being cut, True. then True. it's a different story. So, True. okay, we're going to take a break. Come right back. The folks from Community Medical Center are going to be joining us. We'll be right back after this quick time out. Honey, would you suck it up? It's not a big deal. Snap out. Just get over it. We've all heard it. But if you're experiencing extreme stress, it's not just in your head. It can affect your entire body because toxic stress can hurt us physically without us even knowing it. 
If you've lost a job, worry about your next meal, or have trouble making it through the day, if you're feeling the effects of stress, we can help. Text STRESS to 211-211 to find us. Thinking about retirement? Make sure a My Social Security account is a part of your plan. A My Social Security account gives you secure access to your personal earnings history and benefit status. You can find out if you're eligible to receive benefits, compare retirement benefit estimates at different ages or dates, view spousal benefit estimates, and more. Plan for your future. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash myaccount. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Okay, welcome back, everybody. Glad to have you along this morning on this edition of Talk Back. And, of course, uh, folks from Community Medical Center joining us. I want to say hello to Dr. Melanie Scott. Dr. Scott, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? It, it's good to have you here. Uh, so now this is this is this whole month, right? Is very special uh, for for your line of work. So what what can you share yes. about it? So this is colorectal cancer month, and mm-hmm. so I think it's an important time to highlight, you know, how common this is and how important it is to do screenings for colorectal cancer. All right, and so so what what, what is your encouragement? Obviously, to folks out there, uh, does it matter what age or, or are you we're talking particular age ranges here? That's much more important. So I would say, you know, in the last few years, the guidelines have actually changed. We're starting to see increased rates in uh, colorectal cancer in people under 50. And so the guidelines have actually changed. Uh, we're recommending people start at age 45 if they're average risk. Um, and so all the way up until 75 is kind of that age range where it's, it is highly recommended mm-hmm. because that's kind of the biggest range that we're seeing these cancers. And that's where we find the most benefit. And so what, what, do you, what do you want people to do, obviously? You want them to make an appointment and do what? So I would say, you know, if, if someone's on the fence or they want to know more information, meeting with their primary care to talk about what the recommendations are, what options there are for screening, um, because there's both colonoscopies as well as kind of stool tests that mm-hmm. um, can be done as well. And so, you know, unless you kind of just know, you know, yes, I just want to get a colonoscopy, you know, that's always an option too. And so directly calling the the endoscopy um, phone number mm-hmm. is is always an option if they're just like, yep, I want to get my colonoscopy. That's an option too. Well, we have folks waiting to talk with you on the phone. Yeah. So, 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 doctor, I'm glad you're here. You're making a house call, basically. Yeah, <laughs> Let's get Buck on the line. Buck, good morning. You're on with Dr. Scott. Hi. Good morning. I, I know half an hour isn't much time to get the fundamentals out, but kind of a peripheral thing. When I had my colonoscopy, they completely put me under. When my brother-in-law had his, he was alert and away, you know, able to talk and, and cognizant all the way through. Could you just comment on why they would use different anesthesias? So, yeah, I think Interesting. Thanks, Buck. that is that is something that um, frequently is done. I would say most people probably choose to be under anesthesia completely. And so they're not, you know, remembering the procedure itself. I think in general, from what I've heard from people who do colonoscopies, because I don't personally do those, um, it is generally easier um, just because it's a more comfortable procedure to have when you are under. But of course, there is an option if you don't want to be under full anesthesia to have that done and just be under kind of lighter sedation. And so I do have patients that opt to do that. And that is an option. All right. So so a colonoscopy, obviously, it's, it's examining the colon. What kind of things can go wrong up there? So, you know, the, the kind of biggest risks would be... Um, you know, if there's not a good enough prep, there is the the potential risk that, you know, things are missed. It's not a perfect test. Um, 
And then kind of the scary risk, which is not common at all, would be kind of perforation of the colon. No, basically I'm asking what, what can go wrong with the colon that a, that a colonoscopy would discover is what oh, I'm asking. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Um, so the main things we're looking for are, you know, obviously cancers, but also polyps that could be precancerous. Mm-hmm. And so if those things are found, they can be biopsies and removed and kind of prevent that from becoming a cancer 10, 20 years in the future. Okay, well, we do have another caller on the line. Let's get to Emmett. Emmett, good morning. You're on with Dr. Melanie Scott. What's on your mind? Well, thanks for taking my call. Well, this is my question. <coughs> I had a colonoscopy myself six years ago, and I was on New Lightly, um, which, you know, prepped me for the colonoscopy in the morning. It was horrible. It tasted like this cold, terrible-tasting liquid polymer. And thankfully, there was a Jurassic Park marathon on Sci-Fi. I got to watch that while prepping, but <laughs> yes. it tasted so horrible. It was so awful to drink the New Lightly. My question is, with the advances in modern medicine, is there any way that we could get something that makes a prepping easier? Maybe a few pills to prep us for the colonoscopy, or something that tastes like wonderful lemonade that you'd get at the grocery store. <laughs> how, about a bana- how about a banana daiquiri for crying out loud? Yeah, I know. Please, <laughs> yes, something that tastes good so that we don't have to go through this horrible prep of New Lightly because I never want to do that again, and I may have to get another screening in the next few years. So is there any way we can make right. it better? That's my question. Let's let her answer that. Thanks for the call. You are definitely not the only person who has brought that to my attention. I've never personally done it, but yes, that is that is probably one of the most common complaints. Um, That's something to talk with whoever is doing your colonoscopy. There are other options for prep, including different types of pills or you know different options. And so that is something you know if you want to talk with whoever's doing the colonoscopy about, um, you can request a different type of prep. Well, that's good to know. All right. (laughs) But but you can't just order a chocolate shake or something like that, right? No, unfortunately not. All right. And so uh, now once once that uh, once once the the colonoscopy has been completed and uh, and the results come back, do do you ask people to come in? Do you send them the results? Uh, Do you talk it over with them or how does that work? So, yeah, usually at the time of the colonoscopy, whoever is doing the colonoscopy will talk with the patient. Obviously, you know, sometimes they're more alert than others just because you're just coming out of anesthesia. And so those results will be given to them and explained. But then I often have people come in and say, hey, what does this mean? What are this? You know, I got this polyp removed. The pathology is this. What does that mean? And so sitting down and talking with them about that is something I do all the time. Um, Obviously, there's different results, you know, completely clear. Great. Come back in 10 years. But then there's the in between where it's like you have a polyp. It's this pathology. Should it be three years? Should it be five years? And so there's kind of a discussion there. People, I I, I would imagine that that being that part of the body, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, people are a little bit uh, a little bit embarrassed to talk about things like that. And yeah. so, how how do you overcome that as a physician? So this is, you know, I try and normalize it. This is something I do every day, so it's not embarrassing for me. But I also understand for a lot of people, this is the only time that they're talking about this. Right, and right. so just kind of trying to make them as comfortable as possible and just know this is something I do on a daily basis. And so it's not it's not a big deal for me, but I also am very sensitive to that. Right. So, so you make people feel comfortable. Yeah. 
All right. So we're going to come right back. 721-1290 is our number, 1-800-568-5309. Jeff is waiting to visit with him when we come back. And uh, we have our seven other phone lines open at 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. Or you can use the KGVO app. So we're going to come right back with more with Dr. Melanie Scott from Community Medical Center right after this. I was running until I wasn't. My hospital stay would have cost nearly $48,000, even with insurance. But with VA, I'll pay zero. And VA is the best, most affordable health care in America for veterans like me. Knowing that my family is waiting at home and a surprise medical bill isn't, that's good for my heart. My service was then. My benefits are now. Get what you earned. Visit choose.va.gov. Not all veterans are eligible for this hyper amount of benefits mentioned here. Hey, we're back. This is Talk Back. Our friends at Community Medical Center here, Dr. Melanie Scott, is joining us. And Jeff is waiting to talk with us. Jeff, good morning. You're on with Dr. Scott. Go ahead. Hey, good morning, Dr. Scott. Um, first, kind of a little anecdote for some folks out there, and then a question for you. Um, actually, the anecdote leads into a second question as well. Uh, when I had my first colonoscopy a long time ago, uh, it was at an Army hospital down in uh, Colorado Springs, Fort Carson, and a nurse was there and giving me all the questions or all the, uh, the risks associated with it, a puncture and this and that and the other. And I looked at him and I said, how long have you been working here? He said, 20 years. And I said, how many times have any of these happened in your experience? And he said, none. And so uh, that really put my mind at ease about the risks peripheral risks of, of going in there mm-hmm. so maybe you could address that a little bit about what are you know how how dangerous is it what are the risks and, and how how much of a uh, do we need to really worry about those and then the second thing is uh it's dropped off a little bit in recent years but there used to be a lot of talk about virtual colonoscopies I was wondering if you could talk about those two and, and uh, whether or not they really have the value that our traditional one has and Maybe some of the risks, maybe radiation or other things associated with them. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, yeah. Good questions. Dr. Scott, go ahead. Yeah. So as far as kind of, you know, the the major risks that, um, you know, you were talking about and how, you know, unlikely that is. Yes, it is generally thought of as a very safe procedure. It's done, you know, all the time. Um, but certainly those risks are important to talk about because different people have different anatomy and there are kind of things that make those risks more likely. And that's not something that you can necessarily know until the procedure is actually happening. Um, So I think it's important to talk about those risks, but yes, it's generally thought of as a very safe procedure. As far as the virtual colonoscopy goes, yes, there's been a lot of talk about that. Um, No, please forgive me, but I'm trying hard to imagine what a virtual Colonoscopy is that like a virtual heart surgery or yeah I know <laughs> a it virtual sounds, broken leg or it what? sounds kind yeah. of funny no it's actually a um, a CT scan that is specifically targeted towards looking at the colon and so um, it is something that you know a lot of research has gone into it's not something that is all that mainstream yet um, insurance companies don't cover it for the average person. Um, and so it's not really something that I generally have any patients getting. I think, you know, maybe it's something in the future that we'll see more of, especially because it's not invasive. And so maybe that's, you know, a way that to get more people screened. But as of right now, it's not really an option. No, I know. I realize that one of the, whenever you go to the hospital or, or to the doctor's office to get a test, obviously there's a cost involved. So uh, tell us about h- how this has all worked out. 
So yeah, for um, general screening colonoscopies, so you know someone who has no symptoms that we're not particularly worried about a cancer, but we're screening them for cancer. This is a preventative test that is covered by insurances. So generally, at no cost to the patient. Well, that's good to know. Yes, especially. But what about someone who doesn't have health insurance? So certainly that's, you know, a big concern. There are a variety of programs um, that help, you know, cover costs for people who don't have insurance. And so that's something to ask about or look into um, to kind of get assistance with that. Now, is that something that the hospital can help out with? Or are we talking about various agencies like uh, Medicare, Medicaid, things like that? That's a good question. I actually don't. Okay. The the hospital can help connect them with resources. I'm sorry. I, I, go, go ahead. This is Megan Conroe. Hi, Community Megan. Go, go ahead, Megan. Oh, um, so the hospital, um, we do have um, either financial assistance, but there are also orga- nonprofit organizations mm-hmm. um, that we can connect them with that a lot of times will help cover the cost of screenings. Excellent. Barb, we do have Sharon waiting to talk with you. Uh, Sharon, good morning. You're, you're on with Dr. Melanie Scott. Hi. What's on your mind? Yeah. Hi, Dr. Scott. Um my dad had colon cancer, and so Brandon, two people working, and everybody on board. You have Sharon, you're cutting out. Okay. Uh, sorry, I'm driving. I apologize. That's uh, okay. Can you hear me? Yes. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, anyways, I have had some. Sim- I had a colonoscopy uh, seven. Oh, we lost you again. Okay. Sure, sure. Hey, can you hear me now? Okay, go ahead. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's try that again. Go hear- ahead. Oh, okay. I'm so sorry. I didn't know this was going to happen. No problem. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, I spoke to my uh, general practitioner and, and uh, about some symptoms I'm having, and she put in a request to have a colonoscopy over at St. Pat's, and... Um, they called me back and said I have to wait for 10 years. And um, so I have to wait three more years while I have symptoms, and it's in my family, uh, colon cancer. And I, I just was uh, very disappointed in that. Is there any way to, and I know they're really, really busy. So um, I, could, I did call them back and try to talk to them about it, but I couldn't reach anybody, and they, they didn't Wow, that's uh, that that that's that's weird. But uh, Dr. Scott, go ahead. Yeah, so I think in this case, um, what you're talking about is more of a diagnostic colonoscopy when you have symptoms and there's more of a concern. And so that's different than a screening colonoscopy where we're, you know, screening you for cancer. And so I think that is something you should definitely follow up with your doctor about. And, you know, that is more concerning and more urgent than you know just pure screening and so maybe that wasn't clear in your doctor's order or something like that so i would follow up with them on that because now, I should, should they just try to contact you instead okay. they definitely could if if they want to okay and then who, who is we i'm sorry sharon well, you said we definitely could yeah Okay, yeah. You, Who would I contact? Okay, well, uh, uh, Dr. Scott, I, I, I realize you're driving right now. <laughs> but if you if you could pull over, uh, and, and if you got a pen and paper, we'll be happy to share the number with you. Do you want to do that? Uh, yes. 
Okay, stand by. Here, I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll talk to Sharon yeah. offline. Okay, uh, uh, Nick, 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 Nick's going to talk okay, with you offline, you. and and uh, and we'll give you the number. All right. So, okay. Well, <laughs> so we're, we're we're diagnosing on the run, basically here. So th- this is good. So what what other things? Obviously, you you brought with you this uh, preventative, uh, preventive, uh, preventive or preventative health screening uh, sheet here, and there's all sorts of of helpful diagnostic tips here. Uh, so uh, if you could kind of go through that uh, that list for us yep. and tell us when we should be doing these things. Obviously, we start at the top, which is when you're a baby, right? Yeah. So, yeah, this kind of starts at, you know, looking at different vaccinations. And so um, the flu vaccine, we recommend starting from when you're six months old, you know, all the way until, you know, the rest of your life. Um, and that's kind of an important annual vaccine that we recommend um, getting to prevent. And that's for everybody, right? That's for everyone. Okay. Yep. I, from from how, how old do you have to be like as, as an infant? When, when do you start getting those? Six months. Six months. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's continue. Yep. Um, the next important vaccine that I always talk with people about is the HPV vaccine. This vaccine is new as of probably 15 years ago. Um, and we recommend people, you know, at 11 or 12 get this vaccine. And this, this is a virus that, um, is the leading cause of cervical cancer, head and neck cancers, rectal cancer. And so this is an important preventative vaccine that can help prevent cancers. Um, and we offer it all, you know, all the way up until actually 45 now. Um, and so if you've never had it before, which most people who are in their forties wouldn't have been offered this um, because they were older than when it came out, Mm -hmm. um, it's reasonable to try and get this to try and prevent a future cancer. Sure. Yeah. Let's, let's keep going. I t- tell you what, we're, we're actually up, I'm looking at my time here, we're up against a break. We're going to continue with this, but I understand we have more people on the line. We have an app question and Barbara all wanting to visit with you. And a half an hour is not enough time. So <laughs> we're, we're going to come right back with, with Dr. Melanie Scott from Community Medical Center right after this uh, one minute timeout. Welcome back to Talk Back. 721-1290 is our number. I'm Peter Christian at Christensen over there, taking your phone calls, producing Talk Back. Joining us here in the studio, Dr. Melanie Scott from the Community Medical Center. We've been talking about primarily colorectal health, but all sorts of various screenings that uh, people can, that, that need throughout a lifetime. We do have Barbara waiting. Oh, you want to do the app question first, Nick? Okay, go ahead. Uh, yeah, Joel said, uh, because everyone has seen the commercials, is Cologuard a replacement for screening or colonoscopy? That is a great question. So Cologuard is something that I frequently talk with people about, especially if they are average risk, meaning they don't have a family history or, you know, something else that we identify in our history that makes us more concerned. Um, Cologuard is a reasonable option for a lot of people. Um, and what it is is a stool test that looks for both microscopic blood as well as kind of some abnormal DNA markers um, that are associated with colon cancers. And it's something that has to be done every three years. Um, so more frequently than a colonoscopy, but if it's negative, it's a really good test. Of course, if it's positive, then the recommendation is to do a colonoscopy. But I have a lot of patients that say, well, yeah, I would get one if I had a reason. And so if this came back positive, then they would go get the colonoscopy. And so in that case, it is a really good test for those people who are kind of resistant to having a colonoscopy um, right away. Okay. So again, how often should we get a colonoscopy uh, for, for adults? So um, colonoscopy, if... If the first one is all clear, it's every 10 years. And then if there's a polyp, it kind of depends on the pathology, but every three to five. Okay. Let's uh, continue on. I believe uh, Barbara is waiting on the line. Barbara, good morning. You're on with uh, Dr. Melody Scott. Go ahead. 
Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I have a couple of comments that I would like to um, share. The first one is um, I have a family history of colon cancer. My elderly mother had colon cancer, and my younger brother in his late 40s also had colon cancer. And so I began getting annual um, colonoscopies in my 50s and have never had a clean one. They've always found polyps. Um, I had one that didn't go so well. And um, my last colonoscopy, I only had one polyp, which I thought was that's a record. However, it was protruding from my appendix. And so I ended up having to have an appendectomy mm -hmm. um, in order to remove the polyp. Um, but I'm really glad that they have those available. Um, regarding financing, I wanted to comment that there were a couple of times where I did not have insurance. And there's a Montana breast screening cancer program that also will pay for um, colonoscopies if you're not symptomatic. Well, that's um, good to know. And so I, would just, I just wanted to share that. I don't have any contact information for that, but um, I utilized that program a couple of times as well. Perfect. Thanks for sharing. Well, so, Bar Barbara, best of luck to you. Okay, stay healthy, all right? <laughs> thank you. Okay. Uh, thank, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for calling in. Wow, this has been great. Uh, we have exactly four minutes left in our time together, if you can believe that. That's, yeah. It's just flown by. So let, let, let's hit the top of the trees here for those who may have just joined us. Tell us a little bit about colorectal health and, and, uh, and how we should be looking out for, what, what should we look at, be looking out for and what to do if we, if we sense something may be wrong. So, yeah, I would say the big things to really remind ourselves is this is happening at younger ages. And so just because you're, you know, 30 doesn't mean that you couldn't potentially have a colon cancer. No, is, is that primarily because of diet or uh, or what? We don't really know. I would say the big contributing factors that we see are sedentary lifestyle, being overweight or obese, um, smoking, heavy alcohol use, um, dietary. So, you know, diets high in processed meats like lunch meats and hot dogs and things like that. I mean, I um, got to give up bologna. <laughs> <laughs> or just moderation. Right. Yeah. So, okay. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of different things that um, can be associated with increased risk. And so I think, you know, being mindful of that and trying to, you know, live a healthy lifestyle. And then, of course, from a symptom standpoint, if you're noticing changes in your stools, like changes in how your stool looks, um, how frequently you're going, you know, blood, any of those things, then maybe think about getting a colonoscopy mm -hmm. sooner. Oh, and, and so how uh, we had one we had one caller that uh, said it was hard to get in. Mm -hmm. uh, is there like uh, is there a waiting period or how, how when one one calls their doctor and says I need to get a colonoscopy? Does the doctor take care of that or do we have to take care of that? So it can go both ways. So certainly if someone is having symptoms, that's a more urgent referral. And so that can come from the doctor and, you know, there are ways to get this done faster, um, especially if we're concerned. As far as screening, I will say they are kind of booked out a little bit. Um, I think we're booked out to June. Wow. Now. Um, and so that is something to, to know because we have a limited number of people that do these procedures um, for this area and so it is busy um but for people that are having symptoms we can get them in faster usually yeah so ba basically it's, it's like a, having a guaranteed job <laughs> you do yeah. that sort of thing yeah now now in order for for someone to do uh, a test like that to be a technician is that something you have to go to school for or or how does that work 
So yeah, usually the people doing um, colonoscopies are either gastroenterologists, mm-hmm. which is a specialized um, type of physician, um, but there are also colorectal surgeons that do that procedure. Um, in other areas, there are family doctors that do that, but it does take extra training um, in those fields to do colonoscopies. Okay, so tell us a little bit about your history. Where did you come from and how long have you been in Missoula? Yeah, so I am originally from Spokane, Washington. Grew up there my whole life. Um, went to medical school in Yakima, Washington, and then decided to come out here for residency. Um, so I've been living here for about four years now. How about a phone number to, to reach you? Yeah, phone number for my office is 406-327-3850. Thank you for being here. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Megan. Thank you. Good job. All right. So, uh, Mr. Nick, what's coming up on tomorrow's fabulous program, sir? Well, we're shifting our schedule a little bit because Catching the Big Ones is back. Oh, you can't say it right. Catching uh, yeah. the Big Ones. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's from 8 to 9, uh, and we will be on from 9 to 10, and we're just going to do open phones uh, tomorrow for that hour. Cool. All right. So, again, thanks to Dr. Scott, and thank you for all your calls this morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is great. We have, you're obviously thinking about your health. So uh, be safe out there, and we'll see you tomorrow morning bright and early at 6 with Ace for the Friday edition of Montana Morning. And catching the big ones starts tomorrow.